We welcome you to another episode of True Wisdom, where Andrew and I talk about God's Word. Welcome, Andrew. Welcome, Robert. So what exactly is God's Word? Every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So when we say God's Word, we are generally, the context most of the time, is the Bible, the Scriptures, uh, the Word of God. But we should understand that God's Word is whatever God has communicated to us, right, that we know is of God. And it's, the, that communication is for our edification, our growth, and ultimately our salvation. And speaking of God's Word, let's go over to our favorite passage, which is Proverbs 9, 9, and 10. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge of the holy is understanding. Proverbs 9, 9 and 10. We see there that instruction and teaching and the knowledge of the holy is all to be found in God's Word. Indeed. So, why don't you go ahead and start us off with prayer and then we will get into the devotion. Okay. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have this time to come together like this. We pray, Lord, that this will be a profitable exercise, not only for us, but for all those that hear us. Please grant us wisdom and understanding. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So what's the devotion for today? Okay, so for today... We're going to look at one of the principles and the key principles of Bible study. And that principle is that Israel is not just about Jacob's physical descendants. When we see Israel in the Bible, we're not limited to thinking of them strictly from the biological sense. Okay. And the reason that this is important, especially now, there's a lot of end-time prophecy that has Israel in it. And so people look at that and they think in terms of Middle Eastern geography and um, biology of certain specific persons. The truth is that the Bible uses that term a little bit more broadly. And let's look at a couple of passages that will help us. Proverbs, uh, not Proverbs, though I love Proverbs. Romans chapter 2, verses 28 and 29. It's interesting. I was having a discussion with someone today about uh, the church and how we use it today is different than how it was originally intended. Uh, and so I think this is the quite the parallel. So mm -hmm. Romans two twenty eight and twenty nine, for he is not a mm -hmm. Jew, which is one outwardly. Neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men but of God. Okay, so he says that having the Physical characteristics of a Jew is not what makes you a Jew. It's having the inward, 
spiritual characteristics, which means that it's not limited to particular nationality. Um, since you're in Romans already, let's go to Romans chapter 9, verses 6 through 8. All right, Romans 9, 6 through 8. And once again, this is Paul saying, Not as though the word of God hath taken none effect, for they are not all Israel, which are of Israel, neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. That is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. Okay. Very important premise here. Children of the promise are counted for the seed. Children of the promise are not limited in a biological sense. We see even in the Old Testament, we tend to break these things up into New Testament versus Old, but even in the Old Testament, we had people who were grafted in because they aligned themselves with God's people. We've spoken about some of them on this podcast, Ruth in particular. We also have Rahab who falls in this. And recently we did a study on Tamar who ends up in there. So many people were grafted in or pulled in. Now, before we go through some more verses, going to... Um, kind of set forth the premise. I gave a little summary of it, but the it'll be helpful for people to understand what idea we believe the Bible conveys so that when they hear the verses, they can see whether or not it conveys that. All right? One of the least understood concepts in the Bible is who Israel is. And this has understandably led to significant confusion about many other doctrines. There are many places where the term Israel refers to the collection of people who descended from Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. And there are times when the context of the term legitimately refers to the geographic dwelling of the Israelites. But when dealing with prophecies and with spiritual instruction, term Israel refers to all those who are in Christ and are thus heirs according to the promise. There have been many times that there has been a direct overlap between those who are in Christ and the physical descendants of Jacob. But the focus, even in those times, is on the former, those who are in Christ, rather than the latter, those who are the physical descendants. Mm. Okay. Okay. Um, Another point to add. For a long time when I was studying, I realized that everyone in the Bible who received a name change was largely called by their new name all the way throughout. Okay. Isaac was given his name at birth. Abram was changed to Abraham, and we refer to him as Abraham forevermore. Um, There are only two people who got a name change, and it was kind of weird. Solomon had a name, Zedadiah, that he's almost never called, but it's it's listed in the scriptures. And 
Jacob is given the name Israel. What's weird is that while Abram is never again called Abram once his name changes to Abraham, Jacob is called Jacob and Israel and Jacob and Israel repeatedly throughout. That always bugged me. What did he do to deserve not having himself called by his new name all the time? And it became clear to me that the reason that his name is as floppy in the old versus the new is because whenever the name Jacob and Israel are used kind of interchangeably, it is to convey the biology. And whenever Israel is used more consistently, it is to portray the spiritual. Mm. So the name Israel, you have to pay attention. When you see it in scripture, because it flops up and down, you have to pay attention to it. Like every time we say Abraham, we know who it's referring to. And so we just get used to seeing Abraham and knowing that it's the guy, that guy, right. that important man of faith. When you see Israel, sometimes you're supposed to think Jacob, but sometimes you're not. And by not leaving it consistent, you're forced every time you see it, to look at the context to be sure how you're supposed to look at it. And I feel that that's by design of God. Okay. Because Israel has a spiritual significance that we're supposed to pay attention to and not get hung up on the geography of where Israel used to be. Right. Right. Or that people that are derived from them biologically. So that's more the spiritual aspect. More the spiritual aspect. Okay, let's look at Galatians chapter 3. All right, Galatians. Verses 26 through 29. 26 to 29. Mm -hmm. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ's, then ye are by Abraham's seed and ears according to the promise. So, Galatians are the the. the, the city of Galatia, the area of Galatia, is a heathen area, right? Okay. It's a Gentile. And these Gentiles, the Apostle Paul is saying unto them, you are children of God by faith in Jesus. You have become children of God through faith in Jesus. And as many of you as have been baptized into Christ are now wearing Christ. You've put on Christ. Because it's not about Jew or Greek. It's not about bond or free, rich or poor. It's not about male or female. Spiritually, we need to understand that the context here, he's not saying the Jew goes away. He's not saying we lose our nationality and we lose our, our, um, our gender. He's not even saying our economic status necessarily changes in Christ. He's saying salvation is not about those things. You don't get saved because you're rich versus being poor. You don't get saved because you're a man versus being a woman. 
You don't get saved because you're a Jew versus being free. You are saved by acceptance of Christ. And if you are Christ, and if you are in Christ, then according to the promise, you are also Abraham's seed and an heir. Interesting, because I always looked at it to mean that being in Christ just uh, supersedes all those things. Um, there was a sermon I heard uh, years ago where in relating to this text, he broke it down by his uh, race, his religion, his denomination, but all he brought back is the over-encompassing was the fact that he's Christian. And so that overrode all of the other um, differences, so to speak. But see, the thing is, the reason I don't agree with that kind of theology, and I hear it a fair amount, is it is more appropriate to say that those other differences don't matter in Christ than to suggest that they go away in Christ. Oh, no, I didn't say go away. I just meant supersede, that it's the overriding. That right. we use those different things to, to separate people. In truth, we use race to separate. We use um, a bond or free. It's a separation. But when you say you're Christian, there's no separation there. That's, that's, that's like saying you're human. Everyone is human. Everyone is Christian. Or, or at least this person becomes my brother because of that. So there's, it's less of a separating and more of a unifying. And, and I hear that. I, and I, I think I agree with that in general. Um, the one argument that I have heard recently, and I don't, I'm not suggesting that you're saying that, but the one argument that I've heard in relation to those things is not so much that we separate based on race, or we separate based on economic status, or we separate based on gender, is that the mere concept of those things is dividing. And I'm like, mm, no, the mere concept isn't dividing. We choose to divide and use those as arbitrary boundaries. The fact that people are, Adam and Eve were created in the Garden of Eden, male and female. Right? God wasn't separating them. He, in fact, united them. But they had something that was different about them. That difference didn't separate them. It just was an acknowledgement that it wasn't identical. And I think that in the, as we discuss the social issues on this planet at this time, I think that people immediately hear about these differences and conclude that they are separators when, no, it's people that are separators leveraging those differences. And people have used all sorts of differences over time, physical features, gender, speech, you can use what you want to divide. And it makes it easy if it's something that's visible or easy to detect. But here's, here's the interesting thing about, um, here's the interesting thing about this that we should bear in mind. Let me see if I can, if I can find it. Yeah. Do I remember the verse? There we go. I was in the chapter and missed the verse. <laughs> That's uh. funny. I knew I knew which chapter it was supposed to be in. I went to the chapter and skimmed, couldn't see it, tried to remember some of the words in it. 
The second try I got the word. It tells me, yeah, you're writing the character. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so Revelation 21, if you look at, um, let's look at, I'll start from verse 21. Okay. It says, and the 12 gates of the New Jerusalem were 12 pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, as it were, transparent glass. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. Now, to be clear, the sun and the moon exist here. No one, the city did not require them for light. That's what that passage is saying. A lot of people are like, oh, there's no sun there. No. The sun is there, but the light is unnecessary because God and the Lamb are in it, and they are lighting it. Okay. And the nations of them which are saved, the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. Nations are there. The Bible tells us in other passages that there are redeemed in Revelation 7, for example, people of every tongue and nation. Those divisions, those, those differences do not divide because God does not divide based upon them. Right? So we recently, I would say, recently in human history, we have felt that the only way to avoid division is to pretend there are no differences. And that doesn't really work either. We should be able to acknowledge differences without leveraging those differences to be unfair. Un- unfair or one is inferior and one is superior. I think that right. is the, one of the issues. And that's a sin issue. Um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So it cannot be, it's not to be looked upon as if God made, the reason why there's divisions goes back to Genesis. The reason why there's divisions mm-hmm. is because, in fact, um, it, it's really an awesome text. Uh, so hang on a second. So this is, this is basically the, uh, I went back too far. This is basically the Tower of Babel situation. Let's see here. The Tower of Babel, where mm-hmm. man was so... God created man to be so powerful as a being. And sin has marred it, and yet we still had it, at least back then especially, they still had the ability to to grow and become something great. So mm-hmm. in Genesis 11, the whole purpose for the divisions was so that, let's see, verse. this is Genesis 11, verse 5, And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. Uh, you know what, let me start in verse 4, just for the context. And they said, go, on, go to... Let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven and let us make us a name lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down 
to see the children, the city and the tower at which the children of men builded. Verse six, and the Lord said, behold, the people is one and they have one, they have all one language and this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. Go to, Mm -hmm. let us go down and there confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. First of all, it's amazing. The Lord came down, and yet in two instances it said, excuse me, the first instance was the people. But in the second instance he said, go to, let us go down, let us go down and confound their language. Which states Mm -hmm. that even God himself didn't do this on his own that this was a combined effort. But it's just this division, and I know the whole the division is not the, the point of this devotion, but it shows that the division that was created was just to ensure that our evilness didn't take over everything because we can do anything we set our minds to. And those folks were in opposition to God. They were operating in a way that was... in that opposed what God desired. Right. Yeah, so um, differences that exist, God created all the animals with diversity, created space with its diversity. God has created, every aspect of the creation of God shows diversity. Yet only here do we have division. Mm. Right? In fairness, God kicked out the first division folks from heaven because they were starting trouble up there, had started trouble. Okay, speaking of division, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 and 13. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 and 13. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. Okay, so, yes, whether we are Jews or Gentiles, this is a fact. Whether we're bond or free, those are socioeconomic um, scenarios exist. But in Christ, we are one. Salvation comes to each of us the same way as it comes to anyone else. Okay? The unevenness does not mean that God favors some of us more than others of us. Mm. Many read the prophecies and promises to Israel as referring to those with the right genetics or biological connection. Yet the passages referenced above are quite clear that in both the Old and New Testament, Israel is simply those who have accepted Christ by faith, and no one else. This means that the Gentiles are simply those who have not accepted Christ by faith. All that say that they are Israel are not necessarily Israel, even if they are Israel after the flesh. The term after the flesh, as we find in Ephesians 2, clearly shows the focus 
there to be on genealogy. I'm going to give you that verse in a second. Misunderstanding of the spiritual nature of Israel from the very beginning of the promise to Abraham has led to more confusion than probably any other concept in the scriptures. It is the character of Israel that is in focus in the Bible, just as it is the character of Babylon. Israel refers to God's true people, and for a time that was centered in a geological, geographical context, Babylon refers to those who are opposed to God's true people, and for a time it also had a specific geography. Hmm. The Ephesians passage. Check out Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. Ephesians... Ephesians 2, 11 to 13. Mm-hmm. Wherefore remember that ye being in times past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. See, that really, really wraps it up. You guys were Gentiles in the flesh. By birth, you were in Gentile community. And y'all are referred to as Gentiles, and you are called the uncircumcision by those who are called the circumcision in the flesh. Okay? And when you were born in that condition, you were alienated from Christ. You were outside of the commonwealth of Israel. You were strangers from the covenants of promise. You did not have hope. You did not have God. Now that you're aware of and have accepted Christ Jesus, you're no longer far off, but you're made nigh. You guys are brought together by the blood of Christ. Israel, the commonwealth of Israel, is not strictly a biological or geographic things. Right, right. And when people don't get that, they interpret everything in the light of that plot of, of land in the Middle East. They believe that certain things are going to happen because of that. They believe they're going to happen in a certain place in a certain time. They see certain things in the news as pertaining to that or not pertaining to that. The geography of Israel has very little significance except as a point of deception since A.D. 34. Since the stoning of Stephen, when the closing of probation for the Jews as a nation, not as individuals, but as a collective, when their collective entity and prophecy went away and was no longer aligned with the geographic and biological people, they have had to get grafted in just like every other individual. They've had to accept Christ individually. But the prophecies pertaining to Israel no longer were limited to their geography or to their biology. And if you don't understand that, you're going to see a lot of passages in the scriptures as pertaining to that specific group of people 
And if you do understand that, you will be much better off. Because here's the thing. The term Gentiles and Jews generically, generically, casually refer to those people who grew up in Judaism or out of it, right? Gentiles would be those who grew up out of it. But strictly speaking, when you look carefully at many of the passages, including the ones that we have here, to be a Gentile is to be outside the household of faith. To be an Israelite is to be inside the household of faith. Because it's of faith, you could have gotten into it by faith. Mm. All right. All right. Yeah, that makes good sense. Was that your closing words? Those are the closing words. All right, so let me go ahead and pray. Oh, what's the title of this lesson? Spiritual Israel versus literal Israel. Excellent. Spiritual Israel. And our job is to be on the spiritual Israel side, since that's that's the only thing we can um, actually take care of. It's the only thing that counts. Whether you were born in in physical, literal Israel or not, you need to be in spiritual Israel for anything to be effective for you in eternity. All right, let's pray. Hey, Lord, we thank you for this devotion, and we pray that our minds will be set on becoming part of spiritual Israel so that our salvation is assured. Be with those who are listening. Help them to uh, understand what we're discussing and what is written in your word and help that the text would have meaning and grab onto their hearts. Amen. Amen. Well, we thank you once again for listening. If you want to go back and listen to some of the other key principles or um, our studies on the different um, lessons within the Bible, you can find it at truewisdom.buzzsprout.com. You can also look back at uh, Andrew's devotionals, Andrew's podcast, which is called Rightly Divide the Word of Truth. And if you want to reach out to us about this or any of our previous topics or anything you'd like us to cover, you can send us email at truewisdom at spaceage-llc.com. You can also Send us messages over Twitter, truewisdom underscore pod. We thank you for listening, and we pray you will be blessed.